Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. I think it was late 2013 when we first came to the Ville Church. My wife, my family, and I, we had moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico. I had never moved anywhere in my life. Um, we go as back as far as when the Spaniards conquered in Santa Fe. And matter of fact, the name Santa Fe is Little Spain, so it looked like a place in Spain, and that's why they named it that name in Santa Fe. It's the oldest capital in the whole U.S. But, you know, I know at least four generations back, and it was just really hard to leave. And um, coming to the Ville Church, I had been pastoring that whole time, which was a total probably of, what, 14, 15 years by then. And um, I, didn't, I didn't choose to, to pastor as we moved down to the Ville Church. Um, and uh, I actually was enjoying it. And um, I went through one of the most broken times in my life as I was uh, at the church. And it was just perfect because I think a lot of the church was going through brokenness, but, but out of that, is where like Jesus is and where I met him and I believe that that's where I grew the most in my walk after that whole time and was able to uh, let go of all the things that I held on to and um, it was it was amazing it was a great great time I enjoyed it and um, never thought I would be here um, yeah so and I, I really love the pastors and leaders back then and, and just still too to this day in the church the friends they were there and just walked us through it. All right, this morning, um, we're in our sermon series called, uh, titled uh, Squad Goals. Um, now, I wanna put it out up front, um, how we came to the, the word squad, okay? Um, and how we came to this term squad, we're gonna find that actually as, after we read this verse here, uh, these set of scriptures, and we're gonna start in Acts chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, please get them out and get them ready. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start with verse 37, we're going to end with verse 40 uh, or 41, and, um, and we're going to be doing a lot of scripture, and I'm going to try to talk a little bit faster than normal, because I really want to try to get through this content, I have a lot of content for today, because um, we are launching our squads, and it's just really, really important. So let us pray. Father, thank you for uh, this morning and for um, now being officially installed um, as one of the overseers and, and servants here at the church. And, and I just pray, God, that, that you would meet me this morning and, and, and all of us here in this room with what we're about to discover and talk about in your word. And would you use these words and, and always remind me it's not about me, it's all about you, God. And, and so I pray for this. I pray for all of us here. And I trust you and uh, lean on you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts. So up until this point, the church had not been established. Um, Jesus already died, rose erect, resurrected, and ascended. The book of Acts is the actual uh, documentation or history or acts of the church. So this is right after the gospel of, of Luke it comes uh, the book of Acts, and um, I mean, after the, the Gospel of John comes the book of Acts, but it's after the Gospels. 
And um, so here we are, and we're here with Peter, and Peter, that was a coward, stood up and started to preach and proclaim the message of God for the first time uh, after being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and to those far away and all who have been called by the Lord God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging his, all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believe Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Now, could you imagine, it started with 120 that were waiting in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit comes. When he comes in their field, Peter comes out from those 120 to the public that's there at the day of Pentecost when many people gather from many nations, and he preaches the word, and 3,000 believe and are added to the church that day. That's like me preaching right now, and 3,000 show up outside. What are we going to do? Okay, so we find in verse 46 of Acts, what do we do? What do they do? Verse 46 says, they worship together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So we find these 3,000 new believers meeting in the temple, which in the temple, in the courts of the temple, was where you could gather large amount of people, large, large amounts of people. But we also find them gathering in their homes in a smaller gathering. So we're talking about the church. So they met in the temple courts and they met in houses or wherever they could gather in smaller gatherings. That would mean that the larger gathering obviously is in the temple and the smaller ones in the houses. The definition of a squad is a small group of people having a particular task. The smaller gathering, what we have named, is the squad, hence the squad. So just so you know, we don't just like sit around and just come up with these terms, right? We wanna be biblical. We want to refer to uh, everything we can, but we want to give it today's language. Now that we know what we mean by a squad, I would like to give you a timeline on the development of the church, and then finally, our squad goals, right? Our, our, our smaller gathering goals. So here's a timeline of the church and where it came about. From the beginning of time to Jesus' ministry to the first church. See, everything that we teach needs to come from God's word. God's word has the ultimate authority. Why? Because it is God himself and it is very own words. Question, what is the Bible all about? What is God's word all about? God's word is all about God and his glory. God and his glory. And this also relates to the greatest commandment, and we'll get there in a minute. 
Now, from the beginning, God made humans in his image. So they would reflect back to him and to others. This brings God glory when we reflect back to God, who he is, and it brings us joy, ultimate joy, that image-bearing now, the problem is, is that it did not last. When he made the woman, he made man, he made humankind, they sinned. And to sin is the exact opposite of imaging God. And the, opposite, the act, exact opposite of being human. Many of us use the term being human as in an excuse for sin. But human, being human in its original form was to never sin. Now, we'll start today in the gospel um, of Matthew when the church is first talked about by Jesus. But up until then, from that time that Adam and Eve had fallen, up until Jesus' arrival, we find this story of redemption. All the words, all the scriptures, all the prophets are pointing to someone that is Jesus. It's pointing to an, a redemption of the fallen nature to this image-bearing people, family that God had made. And so we see story after story, and Jesus himself says all the scripture points to him, right? The prophets point to him. Moses points to him. And they start to predict of what it's going to be like. If we look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, we'll see Jesus reiterates this right at the beginning. It says here in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? What is he asking them? What do you think, right? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? See, because what you believe or what you, what you think is going to determine what you reflect, who you are, what you do. Simon Peter answered said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You do not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. There's the word church. And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth, again, as Peter speaks, and the word of God is given to him, he begins to write, the apostles, the disciples, forbid in here on earth will be forbid in heaven and whatever they permit here on earth will be permitted in heaven that's authority to be able to say to Peter whatever you say is scripture now because it'll be God's words right we know that the word of God that the apostles wrote was the very words of God Jesus asked the words the question to find out if they understood who he is this is key to everything we teach it is centered on the person and work of Christ it all points to Christ. He tells Peter that he will build his church. Last is that whatever Peter and the apostle teach has authority. So where does the original word church come from? The biblical definition of the word comes from the original word ecclesia. 
ecclesia. Now the word, or ecclesia, I'm sorry, ecclesia. Ek out of the word means out of. Klesis is calling. So this is from the Vine's uh, Expository Dictionary. So in plain English, it is to call those that belong to Jesus out of wherever they are to assemble or to gather. And a quick term would mean an assembly or a gathering. Now this is really important because the gathering, the assembly, is the church. Meaning that if I refuse to assemble and to gather with my brother or sister in Christ and yet say that I am a believer, it's a false statement. Now, hear me, I said, if I refuse. I'm not saying if I can't. There are times when we are not able to because of, of a physical illness or maybe being separate like incarceration or stranded on an island, you know, and all you have is a little ball named Wilson. <laughs> then you might have a hard time, you know, but you can name Wilson Brother, Brother Wilson and then you'd be gathering, you know, so anyways. <laughs> but wherever you are, usually there is brothers to gather with, which would be uh, being the church. Now, God always wants us to be united and to gather. He hates division. Does anybody know that? One of the seven things he hates is division. He hates gossip that causes division. And he also commands us to deal with anything that we would have against another brother or sister in Christ before we even come to pray or to worship or to give or to glorify him. That's how important. Before we take of the Lord's Supper, that's how much he hates separation. <clears throat> this also says that we're not alone. We are not alone in this. We are connected to each other. We're all part of one body. That means that we don't have to feel this overall arching feeling of being alone in this life and walking this walk together. And sometimes it's a real aloneness. Like we haven't really been connected. People don't really know us. We don't really know them. That's real. But we have to overcome that. But as we gather, as we love each other, as we unite, there's a togetherness, right? But also that means that anytime I do something, I believe something or I'm going through something, it affects the church. It affects someone else. It affects our brothers and sisters. We're not just, this is my own sin, this is my own thing. No, it affects each other. In Matthew 16, 18, we find Jesus saying, I will, future sense, build the church. So, so far the church isn't built yet. So far, this is just the start of talking about the church and what the church is. Now, Jesus did not start his ministry till he was 30 years old. He prepares for his ministry with time loving the Father alone in the wilderness for 40 days. That's real important. Then he starts gathering 12 guys that make up his squad. Small group of people with a specific purpose or task. Pretty interesting. Jesus continues to disciple his squad. Along the way, as we turn to Matthew 22, verse 36... And thir through 39, he asks a very important question. He's asked a very important question. Someone comes up to Jesus trying to trap him. Let's see how he gets out of this one. And they say, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? They knew that if he said if one was important than the, more than the other, 
he'd be denying the word of God, the scripture. Jesus replied, you must love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. So these go together. Love your neighbor as yourself. So all of Scripture, out of every single law, out of the whole word, here it is. This is pretty important. This is very important. Because if Jesus is building a church and the disciples are going to carry out his teaching, he wanted them to get this. They needed to get this. So write this down. Those of you that brought your phone, <laughs> your pen and paper, write this down. Loving God with all our heart is worship. Loving God with all our heart is worship. Loving God with all our heart is worship. Number two, the second thing, loving our neighbor is ministry. Loving your neighbor is ministry. What is the Bible about? We asked. The Bible is about God and his glory. Like I said before, when he made humans to walk this earth, he made them a walking and talking mirror. What did I say? A mirror. Or a mirror that reflects back to God himself. This gives him glory and praise and it gives us ultimate joy. Why loving God? Because God is love. And God loved us, right? He loved us by creating us. He loved us by making a heavens and an earth that would serve us, that would supply our need for our enjoyment. Adam and Eve and every other human that has ever existed, he loved us. He served all of us. That includes you and me. So when we love our neighbor, starting with our closest ones like our wife, our husband, our children, our mom, our dad, a brother, our sister, a friend, a co-worker, Brothers and sisters, this is what it means to be human. And this, is the only, and this and only this is what completes us and gives us ultimate joy. is to love those that are next to us. To not love God and to not love our neighbor is to not be human. The church that Jesus is building is to image God. Why? Because the church is the visible image of the invincible God. Man, as we start to go through these scriptures and as I'm reading this and even speaking to it before you right now, my mind is like, wow. It would be so wonderful. We, we could just like delete everything we think and thought ever about the church and actually just read it and hear it for the first time. What would we think about that? So not too long from this time, Jesus is betrayed. He's taken captive. He's tortured, he's nailed to the cross and dies. The disciples are distraught and they're scattered. But on the third day, he rises again and appears to his disciples. So they're ready to be begin their ministry and start the church, but not yet. Jesus gives them instruction. So now he's risen. He's about to ascend. Christ tells them, let's meet up. And that's where we get to Matthew 28, verse 16. By the way, the scripture we read before was the great commandment. Okay, keep that in mind. We're now going to come across what's called the Great Commission. Matthew 28, starting with verse 16, says, 
then the 11 disciples left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. See, he said, let's meet up. When they saw him, they worshiped him. That's very important. That's one scripture you can circle, underline, and highlight. So when someone comes knocking on your door and they say, Jesus is not God, right? He's just an angel. You can tell them, well, then why did they worship him? But some of them doubted. Verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So if there's any doubt, he's going to speak. He's risen. He's conquered death. I mean, I think if someone rose from the dead, I'd probably listen to them, right? He says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, and he's saying, therefore connects it to what he just said. Because of this authority, therefore, go. So he charges them, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is known as the Great Commission. Guess what the definition of commission is? This is so cool. An instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or a group of people. Oh, wait a minute. What is a squad? A small group of people having a particular task. See the correlation? Remember, what determines a squad? It's a small group, right? They have a particular task. So write this down, three more. This is all I'm going to have you write down for the whole sermon. You can write other things if you like. Therefore go, that's evangelism. Therefore go is evangelism. Right? Evangelism comes from the word to evangelize or evangel, which means good news, right? To proclaim and share the good news with those that don't know it. Teach these new disciples to obey all commands. Discipleship, that's the second thing. Actually, that'll be the, the third, I mean the fourth, the third and the fourth, because I asked you to write two other things. So this fourth thing is to teach the new disciples to obey all commands, that's discipleship. And the fifth thing is baptizing them, that's fellowship, adding them in togetherness. So let's summarize. Love God with all your heart is worship. Love your neighbor is ministry. Therefore, go is evangelism. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands of discipleship and baptizing them is fellowship. What do you think the apostles are going to teach? What do you think they're going to do when they get their chance? So this moves us all the way back up. Jesus ascends to heaven. He tells the disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit, 120 in the upper room, day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes down, fills them all with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus promised. He said, when you receive the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that you will receive power and you'll be my witness, right? He would fill with the Spirit. Peter gets up, and Peter says, and I'm going to say this again, Acts uh, 2.38, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So right away, we already find the go and preach. Peter's already doing it. And then he tells them what to do. He teaches them. He disciples them right then and there. Verse 39, this promise is to you and to your children and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all these listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And we read this before, and those who believed that Peter said, what Peter said, were baptized and added to the church that day, 3,000 in all. Now look what we find Peter here doing, preaching, that's evangelism, right? Sharing the gospel. 
then repentance, that's discipleship, uh, obedience, right, to obey. And then all of a sudden the church's attitude, that's fellowship. So let's try to hit the pause button here for just one second. Let's just pause for a second. When it comes to the church, let's try to delete everything we've ever thought about the church before we read these next statements. Everything you've ever thought, just like this is fresh, this is brand new, first day, never seen this, never read this, never heard this, and let's just read it plain and simple for what it is. Not anybody's influence, not a theology, not a doctrine, not a, not a, not a religion, not a denomination. Let's just think right here, right now. Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. So right there we have devoted to the teachings, that's discipleship. Fellowship, being together, sharing in meals, right? And to prayer, that's worship. A deep sense came on all of them, all, over, all, over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's ministry. They're sharing with each other, serving each other. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money in those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for... Uh, in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This word devoted means to attend or attendance or attendant, to be steadfast, to strengthen. It it denotes a continually steadfast in a thing. In other words, never-ending, non-stopping devotion. In verse 40, uh, let's see here. In verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. I looked up the word all, and it means all. It says the believers devoted themselves to they did not stop their attention, their devotion, their commitment, their holding on to, their being in, their focus, their gaze, their, their, their energy, their power, everything just towards these things. The scriptures. Being together. Sharing with one another. Serving one another. Sharing of the good news. Prayer and praise, they were continually devoted to this. This is what their life was. Where did they get that from? These are Jesus' disciples. These are Jesus' apostles. They got that from Jesus. Jesus devoted his life to the Father. Jesus devoted his life to ministry and serving others. Jesus devoted his life to discipling, taking the time to teach and exemplify for them to follow himself, which is discipleship. He took the time to be together with the disciples, 
with Mary, with Lazarus, right? With so many. Jesus showed them what reflects back to God. God. When we think about the church or we put it all in a nutshell, that's what the church is. The church is this gathering of reflecting back to God who God is. Shame on me for putting down the church, right? For criticizing the church, for getting hurt with the church, for being a bad example of the church, for thinking that I, whatever I'm doing doesn't affect the church. Me, right? And, and making it something that it isn't. Some kind of system or organization or name or I don't know what. It's crazy how distorted our view of the church becomes when it's actually meant to be the view of God in our lives and, our view, and the view of God to others around us. Now, squad goals. This is where we get our squad goals from, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and through 47. The squad goals are, and Pastor Jay preached on the first one, which is fellowship, like this togetherness. That's what fellowship means. They, they were devoted to being together. It was ride or die. That means no matter what hits us, we're going to stick together no matter what. And then also ministry. They didn't say that, hey, you got a problem, that's your problem. You know, you, you got something that came up in your life and you're struggling with and you need help with or you need encouragement in or whatever it was. No, they didn't do that. They took what they had and those that didn't have and that struggled, they sold it and they shared it. And you'll see that over and over through the book of Acts. Your problem becomes my problem. The, I, I want you to hear this because as you gather as a squad, as you gather as the smaller gathering and be the church with each other and to each other, as you assemble and you are that church, if you want to know what the goal is, if you want to know what it looks like, that's what it looks like. It means we don't, we, we, we're together no matter what. It means that, that no matter what, your problem's my problem. Like, you're not alone in this. Like, if it's got to cost me a little to share the load, I'm, it's going to cost me. It is so opposite, opposite of the way the world is. It's opposite of what we really want. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to bear this life alone. We don't want to be on our own. We don't want to hit these trials alone. That's torture. That's not human. And the squad goal that I'm talking about today is actually the, the devotion to Scripture, which is discipleship and also worship. Devotion to Scripture. So when you love someone, and that's another word for devotion, is this love, you, you want to be with them. You want to enjoy their company day and night, which, finds it, uh, which I'll turn to um, Luke chapter 10, verses 40 to 41. By the way, this Bible, I lost my Bible that is a verse by verse, and I couldn't find one. And I'm so happy that I have this one. Oh my gosh. I literally looked for it just the other day at a Bible store because I could I don't know what they're called, but, but basically the verses are right on top of each other. They're not like here, there, there. They're just all on top of each other. I just love it. They're like the best to teach from. Um, so I'm just like, man, God's so awesome. Man, it's so, I'm just so happy. I lost it at my, um, 
the wedding for my son and, and my daughter-in-law. <laughs> That's a good, good, I guess a good place to lose it at. Um, anyways, Luke chapter 10, verses 40 and 41. What we find here in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, 41, is where Mary and Martha are there, right? They're friends of Jesus, and um, Jesus goes to hang out with them. Martha's like busy, right? Uh, and it says it right here. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, which is Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell, the, tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Highlight that. One thing is necessary. It relates again right back to the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart. It says, and Mary has chosen the good portions will not be taken away from her. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what it means to be devoted to the scripture. Did you know that the scripture is Jesus? John 1 says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. That the Logos is Jesus? All, everything was created through Jesus and by Jesus? The word of God is so important. Let me, let me just give a little illustration of how it's so important, why it's so important. Could you imagine that if we turned our Bible to the very beginning and it says, in the beginning and nothing else? You hear the silence? That's exactly what it would have been. Now you tell me how important the Word of God is. In the beginning and nothing else. God's Word is everything. And when we sit at the feet of the Scriptures and we devote our lives to the Scriptures, we are devoting our lives to Jesus. I know many of us have been brought up that someone else has to read for us, someone else to teach for us. Many of us are brought up that we have to read the Bible or we're going to go to hell. Many of us are brought up with, you better do what the Bible says, and we look for it to spank us and hurt us. Many of us were brought up with, try to fix your, your problems through the Bible. Many of us are brought up with this wrong view of what the Bible is, what God's Word is. But God's Word is Jesus. And this devotion is to sit at the feet of Jesus. We have to realize in that time when, they, when it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were with Jesus, man. They remember him calling them, calling him, calling them by name. They remember watching Jesus raise the sick. They remember what it was like to watch Jesus sleep. They were able to watch how Jesus went through trial and storm. They saw the face of Jesus when he gets up from the Garden of Gethsemane and there's drips of blood on his face. I don't know about you, but I wish I could be with Jesus like right here, right now. And I'm sure they were feeling that same thing. 
but he's gone. Now do you see why they're so devoted to the scriptures? Because they knew that that was the glimpse that they could get of Jesus. I know it's not popular, and I believe it's a sickness, an epidemic, and it's rampant that believers, the Christian church, are not devoted to the scriptures. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad or, or, or myself. I'm not trying to put it on, oh, look, you're not devoted to the scriptures. No, no, it's, it's, it's real, it's true. And sometimes as pastors and leaders, we are trying to help the church or help someone in their situation. And the trials that come their way, and even myself, even when I'm trying to get through my trial and my situation, what's coming across to me and coming against me, I feel like powerless sometimes. I feel like, oh my God, this is overwhelming. And we're doing it without Jesus. This devotion to his word. We are charged with equipping and guiding and leading God's sheep to green pastures. What did Jesus tell Satan? Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. If we are going to give the sheep, lead them, not give the sheep, lead the sheep, guide the sheep, guide the church to a green pasture, we must guide them to the word of God. Many of us have used so many other tactics and ways to guide people, to shepherd people other than the word of God. And I think we're seeing in our time, which is a really good thing, that it doesn't work. All the programs, all the processes, all the, the lights, all the, the, the gimmicks, all the, the man-made things that are not working in the church is starting to surface and there is a generation being risen up right now saying, give me something that's, give me Jesus. Give me something that's real. We bought the books. We went to the seminars. We, we, we drank the Kool-Aid that some way, somehow, something else is going to work other than Jesus. And it never has. These apostles that were devoted to the scriptures meant their life. It meant that they would lose their life. They just saw Jesus hung, hung on a cross. What makes them think that any less is going to happen to them when Jesus told them, what happened to me is going to be worse for you. Worse. And all the apostles were murdered besides John. Their devotion meant everything to them. You are meant to devote, to pour out, to give attention to, to worship. And you will worship something. If you worship Jesus, you will be fulfilled and you will overcome everything. That devotion brings worship. There's nothing else you can do than when you're with Jesus. There's only two things that can happen. Either you will worship him or you will hate him. One of those two things. There's no other result that's going to happen. It's either going to bring God, you are awesome, thank you, I love you, I want more of you, you're my everything, or I hate this. 
It's only one of the two. I will end in Psalms chapter, no, actually, one other scripture. It's in my pocket. It's in my phone. Because I got the message version here. Okay. First Corinthians, and I don't have a slide on this. You're going to have to trust me. It says this in the message version. First uh, Corinthians 14, 26 to 33. So important because I also want to be practical, right? So that's sort of like the biblical and all that stuff, whatever it's called. But anyways, First Corinthians 14, 26 to 33 says, now this is Paul giving instruction to the church when you gather, okay? It says, so, there, so here's what I want you to do when you gather for worship. Each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. If prayers are offered in tongues, two or three, the limit, and then only if someone who is present can interpret what you're saying. Otherwise, keep it between God and yourself. And no more than two or three speakers at, at a meeting. With the rest of you listening and taking it to heart. Take your turn, no one person taking over. Then, each speaker gets a chance to say something special from God. And you all learn from each other, if you choose to speak. You're also responsible for what and when you speak. I'm sorry, how and when you speak. When we worship the right way, God doesn't stir it up into confusion. He brings us into harmony. This goes for all the churches, no exceptions. So a couple things I want to point out here. As we gather in our squads, uh, one of the, the values of the squads is that we're all taking ownership of it, right? The goal is for all to participate and show ownership, uh, have equal ownership of the squad. This isn't someone's in charge and they're in charge of it and that person and that name. No, it's all of us because we're all the church. That's why it says they were all devoted. That means all of us must be devoted. Right here, when it says when you gather this instruction to the church, it says you're going to bring something to share that you have received from the Lord. See, we have, have it's funny because uh, what came to my mind when it comes to this is sometimes we treat like our walk with God and getting from God as we did, we do with a priest, right? The priest would go to the temple and he would enter and he'd go to the presence of God and we'd get forgiveness, right? In, the, in Catholicism, where I was raised, the priest was the only one that read the Bible. The priest was the only one that did the sacraments. It's the priest. You go to the priest to get something. But right here it says, all of you are priests. We are part of a holy priesthood. You are ministers of Christ. It says all of us must be devoted. It, didn't, it doesn't say in, 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 the, in, the, in Acts 2.42, and the apostles should be devoted, and the disciples should be devoted, and the elders should be devoted. It says, no, you, me, believers. When we find in Corinthians where Paul's giving instruction, it says, when you all gather. It doesn't say, hey, when the pastor gathers, wait for him to preach and bring a song and bring a revelation from God. No, it doesn't say that. So again, when we look at what does the church look like, it looks like you and me being devoted day and night to the scripture, being with Jesus. And as we gather, we can actually talk about what God is showing us, is leading us, is speaking to us. 
together. And that's where you get the ministering one to another, teaching one another, encouraging one another. I hope you're you're getting this, but I, I want you to see that each one of you, God can speak to and God wants to speak to. He wants to transform you. He wants to be intimate with you. Being a disciple is teaching, right? So you must teach. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be a disciple maker, you must teach. I know when I was first started, you know, 20-some years ago in, in the ministry, my pastor right away put me to start teaching the youth. I mean, I had like a month in the Lord. It was crazy. So I had to start reading and try to figure it out. And it started to come very quickly. If I, asked one of, uh, if I asked each and every one of you to come up here and say, I want you to preach on Acts chapter 2, verse 42, what would you do? You would learn it. And then you would teach it. And you'd probably get it. Why? Because we're made to receive information from God as God spoke us into existence. Adam, Eve, this is what your life's about. This is what the world's about. Take the land, cultivate it, subdue it. You know, enjoy it, multiply. We're made to be information receivers, and then we're made to be information givers. Because guess what God is? A God is a God who gives information and then wants to receive praise information back to him. Words back to God. God's word. So as a squad, as a small church, I want you to gather together and to love each other, and to encourage each other, to be with Jesus in the scriptures every day. Be devoted as if your life depended on it, because it does. And then share what God is doing, because if not, you're robbing from yourself and from each other and from God what we're made to do to be human, to be sharing and being devoted to God. Not because you have to, but because you want to and you get to. And because it's beautiful and it's what you're made to do. Could you imagine if I was so devoted to the scripture, if you, me, everyone was so devoted to the scripture, how that would affect our problems in our lives? Like seriously, that would be crazy. I am probably going way long and I'm pretty much done. Just kidding. <laughs> Psalms 119 and I'm done. So does that make a little bit sense about like, we're going to talk next week about evangelism. That's the other squad goal. It's the five, right? Wrote down five. You know, found in the great commandment, love God all your might, the great commission. You'll find all those five. Um, You'll find yourself, uh, if you're looking in the scripture, what Jesus is doing, right? What the disciples are doing, it's usually one of those five. They're either worshiping, fellowshipping, ministering, right? Sharing, giving. They're, They're always doing one of those five, okay? Last one here, Psalms 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Actually, we're going to start with Psalms 119, verse 4. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statues. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not order utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? Listen to us. 
by guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statues. With my lips I declare with all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not forget your word. And if you go on to read this Psalms, which is the longest Psalms in all of the Psalms and longest amount of verses, has the most verses, you will find a a reiteration of, again, his word over and over again. We must be devoted to God's word. Would you commit to being devoted to God's word? Would you, be, would you commit to gathering together and imaging God? Would you commit to being there for each other, right, in fellowship? Would you commit to sharing one another's burdens and one another's needs? We don't want you to walk alone. We don't want you to be by yourself. It's impossible to have those intimate, close-ness conversations that are close in this gathering. It's impossible to ask questions on what we're talking about. It's impossible to get one person, another person, another person to share what's going on in their heart, even though one day we might. It's impossible. That's why the small gathering is a biblical gathering. And you'll find it referred to over and over again through the book of Acts. The house at, at, Laodice, at, uh, at Lydia's, you know, the, the house, you know, uh, here and there, there's the houses where they met, the church at the house is what I'm trying to say. You'll find those gatherings and being the church to each other. It's a family, it's a family of God, and this is what we want. We want you to experience God in his fullness, and guess what's going to happen when we go to heaven? It's going to be a gathering again, and it's going to be God's people and God's family. I hope, I hope you're able to see that in the scriptures today, and I pray that it just is an encouragement, and I pray that, that you'll um, just really enjoy your time together as you gather, and you'd be that church to each other, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, and uh, seeing what God's going to do, looking forward to next week's sermon on evangelism and, and the good news, so um, I hope you understood what we're talking about today. So thankful for, for being installed here as one of the pastors and I look forward to what God's going to do. So let us pray. Father, I pray that we're able to see, even from the beginning of time, how we're created to love you with everything. And that when we gather together and we're devoted to you and we love each other and we serve each other, we eat together, we spend time together, and not just the actual gathering, but also even throughout the week and every day, calling each other up on the phone hitting each other up on text and just seeing what we're, how we're doing and how things are going and what we're working through with when it comes to the scriptures and what's going on in our life and what we need to pray about and, and all that, that we would have this sense of awe of your presence with us where you said there are two or three are gathered, you promised to be with us, Father. I pray that you would call the church back, not just here at the Ville, but in the U.S. and all over the world, that they would be that church that's united, that is devoted, to one another, to the scriptures, to you. I pray for this, Father. I pray this day that we will see this, that this is the biblical way, your model. 
and that we would enjoy all the fruit of it. In Jesus' name, amen.